Urban Strategies presents Black and Brown in America, a conversation between two friends. We are living in important times that call for intentional conversation, awareness, and action to address the realities in the nation's civil unrest. You are invited to join a conversation with Urban Strategies President Lisa Trevino Cummins and her friend Dr. Lula Balton as they discuss race in the U.S. today, as well as some tools on how to responsibly respond. Okay, good afternoon, uh, Facebook friends and social media friends. I'm here with my friend, Lula Balton, and so excited to uh, be able to, um, to engage her now for our second week in a row. Lula, this is fun. I think it is. <laughs> well, good. Um, Lula, I know you're not a uh, you're not a person who is uh, shy and limited with words. In fact, you have beautiful words and and have shared multiple stories, <laughs> uh, lots of guidance. And so, before we get started, I want to and we'll do this later again. But I want to make sure that we highlight a book that you've written um, that's based on the experience. Uh, how many years experience in Kojic? I've was in the West Angeles church for 42 years. Oh, I started wow. the Community Development Corporation and uh, founded it and ran it for 26. They so, made me CEO emeritus, so I'm still very involved. I'm still on the board, uh, but I started it in 1993. So 26 years, uh, 26 years of community development, housing, economic yeah. development, uh, starting small Mediation. business. Uh, Mediation. Yeah. So here it is, Extraordinary Ministry in Ordinary Places. Uh, so that's awesome. Thank you, Lula, You can get it at Amazon.com. Okay, awesome. Easy. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, Lula has tremendous experience to, from, for all of us to benefit from. Um, so last week we talked about a little bit of your history and kind of a, uh, one of the things that just uh, I kept, have kept thinking about since that conversation is uh, the, th the three things that really impacted you in your early life. Um, one was how uh, your parents who were, and grandparents who were exceptional people, very learned people, very educated people, very capable, um, but um, with racism and the Jim Crow and all that was happening, they really, they were reduced to uh, menial jobs. And there's nothing wrong with menial jobs. However, we knew, you knew they could do so much more. So that was yeah. just a, a, a hard, uh, it was humiliating, humiliating in many ways. Yes. Um, and then it, I, this, go ahead. No, I was saying it was, and you know, by the grace of God, he uh, repaired it quickly mm. and, uh, but it let us know too, sometimes when you're highly blessed, you forget what it's like. And mm. so it's like a reminder um, when you think you're in stride and you fit in and you're like everybody else, there are things that happen to remind you. And I don't think they remind you to embarrass you or yeah. humble you. I think it's the Lord's way of reminding you who you represent and that you're not there for you, and that yeah. you're there to carry where it was that you came from and who you came from. Mm, I love that. I love that, reminders. And then you talked about how um, 
how your at a very young age, uh, your cousin was suffering from asthma, and as you were showing her the town at, at five years eight, five or six years old, um, how uh, she had an asthma attack and needed water. You lifted her up on your shoulders, her, your shoulders, and she wouldn't drink the water because it said no blacks, no blacks were allowed to drink, and she was afraid of drinking. Yeah, um, and it didn't say it there. That was the point. She was oh, from Memphis, okay. where they had colored signs and white signs, but in Springfield they didn't have that. You could drink water, but she was afraid because at five years old she already knew if there was no name on it, it didn't belong to us. Hmm. So then when you went to, at the age of about 15 years old, um, supposed to be 18, but you were 15, then you uh, went <laughs> to the, you, yeah, you participated in the March on Washington and the woman That's asked, right. why are you, why are you here? And you said, you said, oh, because I wanted, I want to take a drink. I want yeah, to be I able to drink. I want to drink out of a fountain and not think about it. I want to go to the bathroom. I want to sit down and order food. Um, you know, yeah. all the things so I pay taxes for. Mm -hmm. Well, liberties and freedom, right? Which yes. um, this country is founded on. So, yes. I, t so thank you for that. Um, I wanted to today jump into uh, a couple of topics. One is kind of talk about where we are today as a country and okay. uh, kind of what's happened since the George Floyd. But before we go there, um, I'd love to talk about the brown and Hispanic part of this conversation. Obviously, okay. um, you know, my voice, uh, reflective of some of the Hispanic community, not I can't represent all the Hispanic community, um, but just from my experiences and then and then certainly yours from the African-American community. Um, I think I will, you know, start out with there's a, there's from some some places in our country, there's an assumption that Hispanic and blacks have worked well together from the beginning. Uh, it was curious to me when I did some research uh, on civil rights that Cesar Chavez and Martin Luther King lived at the same time. Uh, I traveled with him. I picked grapes with Cesar. You did. That's very yes. cool. Yeah. Did, okay, so what was surprising to me is that Cesar Chavez, Cesar Chavez and Martin Luther King never had, never communicated except for one telegraph. And that telegraph said, we're with you. But they lived at the same time. And usually they're not talked about in the same conversation. They're separate conversations. They were each other's peers, uh, but they were not, they were not communicating. Uh, and, you know, for a variety of reasons, not to say there was animosity, but that, in some sense, that kind of highlights uh, the situation today. I think that um, historically, since then, uh, generally speaking, the Hispanic community uh, has not engaged in uh, the actions, the activities, the concerns of the black community. Um, and I might offer that that would be true on the opposite side as well. There are exceptions. You and me are an exception. There's other exceptions. But by and large, uh, particularly in the church, we kind of, we stay separated. Um, our, uh, while we have some of the same issues, in fact, I had a friend of mine a few years ago said, Lisa, the Hispanic community is, uh, is addressing issues that we faced 20 years ago. 
And I said, yeah, you're right. I mean, the representation and, uh, and access and that sort of thing. But anyway, I think that there's, uh, there's work to be done as it relates to his, the brown and black uh, relationships. And one of my concerns is in, or a concern that's been mentioned, uh, is that in the process of, of emphasizing that, that the, brother, the lives of our black brothers and sisters matter, um, is the spotlight being taken away or the needs of the Hispanic community being taken away, uh, being ignored at the, uh, I'm not even saying this right, so by focusing on the blacks, is, is, at, is it at the expense of the Hispanic community? So anyway, just wanted to kind of put that out there and see what your thoughts were uh, in that regard. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, like I said, I did go pick grapes when I was at mm -hmm. LACC with uh, Brother Chavez. Um, I think that probably the reason that Dr. King and Mr. Chavez were not working closely together is that they both had large charges. And Dr. King's was a church movement. It was about what Christ would have us do. And Cesar Chavez movement was an economic movement. It was organizing um, the by and large Mexican labor that was making California the richest state, the ninth largest economy in the world on the backs of the poorest people in the country. Yeah. And so they agreed about economics uh, after Dr. King um, did the marches and all, he began to work on economics and went to Memphis where he was murdered. Uh, but they were never at odds. And one of the things that was most um, interesting to me because I was new to California mm -hmm. uh, during that time was the openness of Senor Suerta, uh, Chavez, everybody. And there is a large, large, large group of African-Americans who were migrant workers in the farms. And in fact, one of the highest ranking African-American lawyers at Harvard, Dr. Ogletree, who's famous around the world, was born and raised by a migrant family. Um, he said his father's never seen him graduate from high mm. schools, from college, from Harvard, law school, any of that. Um, and so I think part of the tension between our communities is that we let other people tell our story and mm. we wind up believing what they tell us and some of the things that um, are similarities, you pointed out earlier, uh, abject poverty by the people who make it all work. Um, whether it was the creating of the trains and the Chinese labor, feeding the world mm -hmm. by um, brown and black labor, uh, caring for the children, whatever the care level was, the lowest paying, our people have done it and they've worked together. The housing patterns in the Southwest in California, my experience a bit in Chicago, and I've, you know, I've not lived everywhere, but has been um, white people move in, Jewish people start coming, they move out. Mm. Black people move in, the Jewish people move out. Mm -hmm. Black people are there, 
Hispanic people move in, the black people move out. Mm-hmm. And so we are kind of groomed to think the last person off the boat is the one we esteem the least. Hmm. So my experience with some of my my Hispanic friends has been, well, we're, you know, we're Mexicans, they're Salvadorians, you know, they, they're not us, they don't do yeah. that. No, so a part of an oppressor is to make the people who are fighting over the scraps fight each other. Mm-hmm. God forbid if they join together mm-hmm. and look and say, okay, we'll only pick for our families. You guys figure it out. Yeah. Then yeah. people don't give up power. So I find that the church, we have to remember the church is made up of, you know, it's people. Yeah. And the people who are running and creating policy for the church often follow whatever benefits them financially in that geography. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. when we talk about blacks and Hispanics, we've had this discussion. People have asked me, and I used to be offended, you want to be called black, you want to be called African-American, you want to be called colored, people of color. And um, I'm, I worked my way through that. And I'm now having friends who are um, the colonizers spoke Spanish or Portuguese. And so, you know, how would you like to be identified in the conversation? That's been mm-hmm. my question. And um, this group says, oh, we're Hispanic. And I'll say that. And another group will say, no, we're Latinos and Latinas. And it doesn't relate to colonization. And there's no Hispanola. And so I think one of the things that we don't want to do is get caught up in a red herring. Things that really matter if you are doing a certain kind of thing. But I think you're, and the way you and I came together is for a love of Christ, love of our people, to walk out and demonstrate how he says in his word he intends it it to be. And Ezekiel 22, it says that, my, uh, he was going to destroy the city. I'm I'm done with you. Mm. God just mm-hmm. said I'm I'm so through, because the politicians, which in that language would be kings and queens, they uh, oppress the people. They take their money. They take their taxes, and they don't help them. Mm-hmm. The um, the priests, in this case, I would say the church says. Thus saith the Lord, when I have not spoken. And there's a a litany of things that are going on. One that touches me greatly is the aliens, you mistreated the aliens in the land. Mm -hmm. And that's a nexus point, I think, for brown and black communities, because people with melanin have come the last people off the ship now. Mm-hmm. And it's almost imperative that people who already took everything don't want us to be together. They're mm-hmm. not interested in our finding a way to have a collective Christian voice, mm-hmm. a, co- a collective community voice, because that would upset the apple cart. Mm-hmm. So they won't. They don't want me to like Lisa. They don't want Lisa to like anybody from Central America. They don't want me to like anybody from Africa or from the islands. And you'll go on campuses and you'll see those struggles. Yeah. And they're, I think, distracting us from the real issues. 
Your last thing you asked me about was, would it take money or attention? Uh, as if there, the spotlight was this little. It can only be on black people or Hispanic people. Um, really, that's focusing on where's where's the public money going, mm-hmm. and if it goes mm-hmm. to Black Lives Matter, then it, I think the black the money should go to the public, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that that as believers, we should not allow people whose intent is not to make it work to frame the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last time we had discord and insurrection and all of this at this scale was in the 60s. And we talk about the civil rights movement now, but are going to jail, getting bit by dogs, uh, having hoses on us, having kids have to have uh, federal officers to walk first graders into a classroom. Mm -hmm. All of that was heinous. It was horrific. But from it, Thousands of Hispanic people got an education because when I started college, there are two ways you could go. Pay your tuition up front, all of it. There was no payment plan. You pay a year at a time. If you have all your money in by the end of August, you could come in September or get all A's in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. Now, when I hear people talk about my grant and Pell and... That was a part of what the struggle was about. If you can do it, you're smart enough, you want to do it, you're an American, your people pay taxes, you should be able to have an education. Yeah. And so that's the bigger principles. Um, And I've been wrestling with that, you know, sort of in the whole uh, Black Lives Matter um, and would love to hear your opinion. So uh, the Black Lives Matter dot uh, org, the organization that was mm-hmm. founded, really has some principles that are antithetical to what Christians believe. I mean, there's, there's, and I haven't seen this, but I've been told that there's language in sort of their founding documents that would want to, uh, you know, break the family and would want to uh, really diminish the role of the church uh, where where it can be. Um, and so there's a, there's a hesitancy, uh, that I found in wanting to associate with Black Lives Matter because it might connote an endorsement of this blacklivesmatter.org. I wonder what your thoughts are about that. I want to be thoughtful in my response. So... A lot of people stay away. Most people don't read all the documents for anything they're engaged in. Most people that I know have not read the Constitution. You know. and, Instructions, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, most people don't know that two-thirds of the voter rights bill is gone now because it wasn't a major part of the Constitution. So um, I think that's a very weak excuse not to make it matter. And I think it makes believers not only weak, but it makes them almost a lie to say, well, I love Jesus and um, I really care about black people and I'm gonna sit over here and hope that everything turns out all right. I don't believe that it's reasonable. I think it lacks integrity. If you have a broken leg and say, 
oh, my leg is broken. This bone is the one that really matters. To say all bones matter is full of it. That's the part that's broken right now. And every time there has been an advancement to whoever is broken, attacked, um, everybody benefits. There is nothing bad that comes from being just, according mm -hmm. to the word, over mm -hmm. and over. That's what he requires of in, in uh, Micah 6 and 8. He's expecting us to be just and show mercy. Not being a racist is not just if you aren't against racism. And mm -hmm. that's where I think the church has been historically continues to be negligent. I'm excited yeah. to see the move of believers coming together as the church to right. do something instead of saying, well, that's really not, that's not good. Praise God. We love you. We adore you. We don't want to see that. Um, they really should not kill people. They shouldn't have shot that boy 16 times in the back. So uh, what time does service start? <laughs> I know it's exactly what he said was happening in Ezekiel. He's saying it over and over. It's exactly the Good Samaritan. Yeah. You know, I've got to, I've got to be about this business. I've got to do this or that. I think the idea that something you may disagree in about with the documents of an organization and your behavior in relationship to that, as opposed to what you see and know, you don't have to read the document for Black Lives Matter to know that there is a vendetta against black people. Right now we're focusing on black men, but there is also a movement called Say Her Name. Mm -hmm. There are thousands of black women who get pulled over for any number of reasons who never make it home. Mm -hmm. And to say because they don't like gays, or uh, I don't agree with that lifestyle, so I can't stand up for right. what's just and right and godly, right. I right. think it's, it's, it's ungodly in itself. And mm -hmm. I think it isn't a part of the discussion. It's like when people ask me, what did you think about them burning up Macy's? I think arson is against the law and I think Macy's has insurance. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about property until you want to talk about lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The things that, that Jesus came to deal with. And I think we keep allowing people to reframe the question. When I was talking with somebody who's working with some of the immigrants who were coming over, um, not in 19, but 2018, and there was an uproar about it. There wasn't a big uproar in the African-American church formally. Mm -hmm. And so I was in an uproar about that. How can we say we love God and we are uh, supporting people who are taking children from their parents, who mm -hmm. are bringing those children to safety and help mm -hmm. and say, God told me to do it. The right. church well, I have to obey those that have rule over me. Right, right. I think God right. wants us to be stupid. And the word keeps showing us when we don't struggle with each other against injustice. It may be on me today, but it'll be on Lisa tomorrow. Right, right. We've got right. to change the things. Now everybody can go to school. Mm -hmm. Every Hispanic kid who can get in yep. can go. 
that right. didn't happen until I fought. Mm -hmm. When the door was mm -hmm. open for any one of us, right. we need to do things to make sure the door stays open and policy changes. Right, right. So many Hispanic young men that I have had the pleasure of working with and knowing introduced me to some of the things that were going on. I don't know so much in Texas, but Arizona and New Mexico, where they're called popsicles mm. for fun. You take them out of jail and put them outside where it's cold. That's wrong. Yeah, right. And if it, you know, are we saying, well, it was a gay man they did it to? Mm -hmm. That makes it okay? Right. We, we will accept right. unrighteousness if they don't adhere to what we believe. It's not like we need to live that way. Right. We can't let them inside until they believe like I believe. Why right. Would I, why would I even believe if you're not going to live? This is scripture. Right. First uh, John, not John, but First John three sixteen through eighteen talks about love is what you do. Basically, don't mm -hmm. don't mm -hmm. say. Uh, and and further down it, it says. You know, if I'm hungry, don't say, brother, I'll pray for you that the Lord will send you food. Yeah, right. And, 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 and I think that's what we wind up doing in that discussion of, well, are they going to look at black people? Well, what about us? Are they going to look mm -hmm. at Hispanic people? Well, what about us? No, look at the issue of injustice. Right. It defies right. race. It decides right. gender. Right. It defies right. all of that. You know, I was going to mention uh, that a couple things. One is, you know, I've been convicted um, because, you know, I've been working on Hispanic issues and we've got our own stuff. But I think um, when I kind of, and I've, you know, mourned the things that have happened um, over the years with my African-American brothers and sisters and against them, uh, but I've kind of stayed back. But I thought, you know what, this is, this is a God issue. This is, it's not enough to say, God bless you, right? Let somebody else take care of it. So I, somebody came up with the term anti-racist. So yeah. it's, an act, it's an active effort against racism. And so I'm like, yeah. you know what? That's what I need to be. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, you know, people say, well, I wasn't part of it. Okay, but be part of the solution, be anti-racist. And while, you know, the church is famous for being against things, this is one thing that we should be against is racism. So being an active anti-racist. Um, yeah. And it's going to be hard for the church because a lot of our denominationalism is based on that. We create groups of, of homogenous people. Yeah. And everybody else is the other. And when we can get to the place that we look at anybody who doesn't believe like we do as other, yeah. if yeah. we're not careful, we judge them by mm -hmm. the, you know, how we decide we're supposed to dress. Oh, right. he's not saved because he wore a tie or she's right. not dressed because she had on slacks or so-and-so's not. And even if we did that and didn't leave it at that, and that's where I think both of us find a nexus because mm -hmm. it's easy to identify people who are not, who don't believe it as if we do. But the challenge is how do we behave toward God's creatures? Right. Whether we agree with them, whether we disagree with them, whether we like that group or don't like that group, whether their, their um, philosophy is wrong, 
you know, we don't have the authority to hate people who are not Christians. Yeah. But right. inside the body, there are Christians who believe, whose lifestyles don't agree with ours. And right. we kind of push them to that other side too. I think taking the focus away from justice tends to make us be judgmental. And if we can look at, I want what's just for people. Mm -hmm. And right now, and every time there has been in this country, a great move forward, there has been, it tends to have been a black and white issue. Part right. of it, the country became the greatest economic power in the world because it didn't have to pay for labor. Mm -hmm. All of us right. could be rich if we yeah. could do everything and never <laughs> have to pay the people that do all the work. We get as close as we can now. I know a hundred Hispanic service workers and housekeepers and childcare. Yeah. Their jobs are invaluable. You can't pay them enough, mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. don't get paid. And when we talk about policy, they're the last people are you contact. Yeah. We prayed right. that everybody would get health insurance, but it took a pandemic that made the people who hired all of us know that if they let us in the house, they could get it. Okay, everybody yeah. then. We're going we're gonna to give everybody yeah. some insurance now. <laughs> Those things, we don't know how the Lord is working, yeah, but we right. see him working yeah. some of this foolishness yeah. that we accept. And so I'm honored that you have taken on a chance and a choice because a lot of people who identify with both your, your church and your ethnicity don't consider themselves Caucasian. Yeah. But they consider right. themselves Hispanic or Latino. And so right. inside the body itself, um, lots of people from, excuse me, from um, the islands and Central America. Yeah. And if we aren't careful, we, we bring those same prejudices, those same values with us when we go. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. And in, in culture. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it in Mexico. I've not I've, I've seen it in Panama. Um in some of the um the colorism part of the Caribbean. Yep, yeah, colorism. Yeah. yeah. And the equalizer often is is exceptionalism. You're not like the other ones. Yeah. As if that's hmm. a compliment, which is <laughs> to me the most demeaning thing. You know, oh, you should meet Dr. Bond. She's not like the other ones. Yeah. You know, she's she's <laughs> different. I'm telling you, Lisa Trevino coming, she can fit in anywhere. She's just not like those. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's often said and they think it's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah but it's revealing, right? Trevino. Yeah. It's you revealing. Trevino and nobody would know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But why shouldn't, you know, the people yeah. who got me here, there's an old uh, African saying that I grew up with, praise the bridge that carries you across. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Lisa is one of the most, you know, you are one of the most humble, gentle, and kind people I know by choice. Mm -hmm. You're one of the smartest women I know. You're one of the most articulate women I know. You went to Washington with the White House. Nobody knows it. Now they all know that. So, <laughs> but you're a astute businesswoman. 
And yet, there's going to be somebody, Trevino, mm-hmm. oh, she got us that affirmative action. She just, you know, they just decided they wanted somebody who was Hispanic. Right, right. Not that right. you had to do twice as much to get there, but that right. you had to do nothing because you had a Spanish surname. Yeah, but right. But that's not true. Right, And right. a lot of times we hate it when it's directed to, toward us, but if we're not careful, we do the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Your family may have gotten out through the church. Mine got yeah. out through education. Somebody else yeah. might get out through athletics. Yeah. Somebody else, yeah. you know. Yeah. But that that piece is, if I'm at all hopeful, is not the piece we hold on to as believers. Our struggle is not, like you said, against flesh and blood. Yeah. The principality the overriding principality is injustice. Mm-hmm. In this country, mm-hmm. it is racism. Roberto mm-hmm. Colon, my dear friend, Roberto Colon, I'll never forget the day. He had been working at the mission with, that I worked at. He was actually, he was the director. And he was the kindest, most loving person I ever knew. I mean, mm. it was almost scary. You'd ask him for a quarter or a homeless he'd just give you his wallet, you know, and his wife was glorious. He was always, Roberto, Roberto. And one day he came to work crying. He had grown up in a very, very wealthy family. And um, I was like, you know, what's wrong, Roberto? And he looked at his hand and he said, today, I understand the principalities that rule, I thought it was this California, it's this country. He said, today, I'm no longer Roberto Colon. I'm the brother in the brown skin. Mm. I'm I'm a Hispanic Roberto Colon. I'm Mm. not just a child of God. And I'm 42, the first Mm. time I experienced it. I can't imagine what babies experience knowing that the first thing they are is Hispanic. He was the first, and there's no such place as Hispanola. So yeah, yeah. these ba- Latino. babies who belong to yeah. nobody and they have a mark that yeah. this country says is bad. Hmm. And I had never seen or experienced, I'd only had my experiences, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those, those struggles that, you know, we kind of keep them quiet, but until we address, like you said, it, not being a racist is not the same as being against racism or being an anti-racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's like, I'm not against people eating. (laughs) But I have to be against hunger. I have to do something about making people eat. Right. And I think that's a part of the nexus of our relationship. You've always helped me be where I want to be. And hopefully I've helped (laughs) support you where you want to be. I think yeah. we can do more. Well, we can do more. Story's not over yet. However, we are out of time. And uh, this has been beautiful and rich. Lula, I'm just privileged to be able to, to hear your stories and hear your insight and hear your wisdom. I'm, I'm forever blessed with those. And so I'm excited that we get to do this one more time next week. And so um, pray that others will be blessed and that uh, this is Wednesday midweek. Um, you know, I think at your website or your Facebook account, Lula Bolton, certainly my Facebook account, uh, Lisa TC, 
that we're open to conversations, uh, questions. Um, and so, yeah, and I free. also feel free. And I also have some resources that I've been posting on my Lisa TC Facebook account uh, that I think uh, that I've sifted through from all that I've seen that I think are worth passing along. So I hope folks will take advantage of that. But Lula, thank you, my friend. Love you very much. And thank, thank you, you for everything. Don't forget the book, and thank you to everyone who's been watching. Thank you. Extraordinary ministry in ordinary places. <laughs> Amazon.com. It's easy. <laughs> thank you, Lisa, for having me on today. Love you. Thank you for listening to our Black and Brown in America podcast by Urban Strategies. If you want to see the video of this conversation, you can visit our Facebook page or visit us at www.urbanstrategies.us.